welcome back to the data show. Hard to believe we're uh, uh, on our fourth episode. Uh, it's been really a lot of fun um, communicating with uh, folks through this this medium. We, uh, we we've told you a lot about uh, Sarthi and who we are, and today we're really excited to delve um, into one of the firms that we've partnered with. Um, and before I introduce our guest, really would just first want to thank our listeners. Uh, we, we have listeners from all over the globe. Thank you to everybody who has uh, shown support and, and told us that this is something that we should continue to do. And we're really excited to, um, to make it a big part of uh, how we communicate with, with our external uh, partners and friends. I wanted to first um, wish uh, all of our friends who celebrate Diwali a very happy Diwali. It's 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 Diwali week. It's a really important uh, festival uh, for for many of us. And as you've heard here on the Data Show, uh, the Sarthi has very very deep origins in India and Indian culture, and we're really excited to celebrate Diwali both at Sarthi and with our family and friends as we weave through the five-day festival this week. Happy Diwali, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to introduce our guest today. I told you that the Data Show is uh, a platform for us to have good conversations with great thinkers. And I really can't um, think of a more appropriate guest than Chris Mendoza. Chris is the executive producer of Maestro Filmworks. Maestro is a Philadelphia-based firm founded in 2005. Chris is just a, a wonderful person, a wonderful creative mind. Chris has, uh, has an undergraduate degree in film from uh, New York University and an MBA in Wharton. Uh, I love the way Chris positions himself as his superpower is bridging the gap between creativity and business and has proven himself to be a, a really strong leader in the film industry, as well as really the Philadelphia um, community. Chris, welcome to The Data Show. Hello, Jim. Uh, yeah, thank you for the invite to The Data Show. It's an honor for me to be here and chop it up with you and connect with your audience. Yeah, thank you. We're really, really excited to have you. First question I have for you is really one that I've I've asked our, our two co-founders who've, who've been on the, the show and it's it's really about origin stories. Maestro Filmworks has a, a really fascinating origin story that I think our listeners would love to hear. Tell us how and why you started uh, the firm, Chris. We are blessed to be in our 18th year here. We just hit our 18th birthday as Maestro Filmworks in May of 2023. Maestro is really founded uh, from me just coming out of undergrad as a filmmaker. Um, I really uh, was searching for a project to work on. And um, around that time, I was not privy to a lot of the stories in my own family and my own culture. And around that time, I, I found out that my grandfather on my mother's side was actually the national artist for music in the Philippines. He's credited with writing the lyrics to the national anthem, um, a lot of patriotic and um, traditional hymns and songs through both the church and government uh, were all commissioned by 13 different presidents that he worked for as cultural advisor of the Philippines. Um, so there's just so many colorful and interesting stories that I found out around that time. And I realized if I'm not telling this story, uh, who else is? And that's kind of a little bit of where the mission of Maestro derived from um, telling stories that need to be told. And I set out to produce this documentary in 2005 uh, as a 20, 21-year-old kid. 
uh, called The Maestro. And after I got to the end of that project, uh, you know, admittedly, it, it was a bit sophomoric. I don't think I was the most mature uh, creatively and professionally to undertake the, the project in the way I, I thought it could have been done justice to. But um, coming out of that, uh, I had raised, you know, $30,000, $35,000 to do this documentary, bought my first camera, first, you know, computer, microphone, tripod lights and things like that. And I had this bank account and all this gear. And I'm kind of like, you know, why don't I just stick to this mission and um, keep keep telling stories and um, make a business out of it. So that entrepreneurial itch took me at a, a pretty young age and uh, haven't looked back ever since. I, I didn't know that 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 piece of information uh, about your grandfather in the Philippines and the national anthem and, and just just phenomenal to, to hear sort of that context. Chris, t- tell us how you built the firm all around, made the pivot towards helping companies tell tell their story. It, it sounds like your origin story for starting Maestro is very personal. What went into making that pivot towards helping firms and, and organizations bring their stories to life? I'll be the first to admit that our early ons were uh, pretty corporate in terms of the communications we had. We were uh, both fortunate um, to have a uh, a big professional services firm be our first client. So that was a, a huge influx of work, but I think that did have an effect on the amount of creativity and storytelling we were able to inject in the projects that we took on. Fast forward seven or eight years into the life of Maestro, and while the business is growing, we're bringing on employees and you know, upgrading offices and things like that. Uh, there was a severe lack in storytelling, and um, at that point, you know, video was everywhere. I think when I started Maestro in two thousand five, YouTube and other online video sites were you know j- just a couple years old and not really that widely prevalent. But by the time that um, you know video is really being utilized, halfway through our lifecycle as a company, um, I realized that video was a solid and uh, capable medium of moving emotions, convincing people, uh, telling stories, sharing stories. And um, that's when I realized, you know, hey, we're, we're really not utilizing this to our fullest advantage as a video production company. We're, if anything, creating corporate communications that are getting the job done, but it's not moving the needle emotionally and telling the stories that need to be told. So that's when we started to inject storytelling in so far as finding narrative projects, documentary projects, and things like that. Um, and for a little while, those were on two ends of the spectrum. We had the stuff that um, paid the bills as far as the corporate communications goes. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we're not complaining about that. But then on the other side, we had these narrative short films, short documentaries, and things like that. Um, I would say in the last six or seven years, we found a sweet spot where in these corporate communications, we are able to take our chops as storytellers to inject story, even if it's a 30-second spot or 60-second spot, really leading with story first, finding the best way that we can um, derive a story from a product or service that a company is trying to get across and make that the memorable human story that people then connect with and remember. And I think you know that's really what we pride ourselves on now. We're not necessarily... Um, specializing in any one industry, like we're not the food guys or the sports guys or anything like that as far as video production goes. We really just lean into the strong storytelling. I grew up um, on uh, my first role out of college. I was at a communications firm where we really helped companies and, and our sort of North Star was you persuade with reason, but you motivate through emotion. And it sounds like that's really Absolutely. kind of 
the 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 craft that that you um, that you play in. Before we we transition kind of off of um, maestro and kind of the work you do, tell us about taking root. It's a a pretty interesting piece of um, content and 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 creation that I think is an example of what you were saying earlier around still being able to uh, create creative elements, but also help companies. Sure. As the staff grew and the capabilities grew, we definitely um, sought to find bigger, bolder projects that we can inject this level of storytelling into. And we were fortunate enough to be approached by an organization called Viet Lead with the director, Huan Ning Wen, uh, who's a filmmaker uh, that was tasked with uh, recounting on video on film for the first time the oral history of the Vietnamese and Southeast Asian resettlement here in Philadelphia post-Vietnam War. And the stories that go behind a lot of um, the failed settlement for the most part and the, um, you know, the official story of what American and U.S. news media put out there versus what really happened to a lot of these Southeast Asians and the hardships and struggles that they uh, experienced um, had been more of a cultural, local, oral history that was really never documented. And as you know, we're coming out of that generation and passing it on to the next generation of um, Southeast Asian Americans here in Philly and beyond, they really found it important to really uh, memorialize this so that uh, they could really acknowledge how big of a part of their you know Asian American identity this was. So. It was a huge undertaking. Uh, it was almost a two-year project from when they started filming to when we finished editing. You know, hours and hours of footage to parse through. Um, different community elders and community stakeholders were featured. Um, and again, there's some dark stories, but also some uplifting, hopeful stories uh, sprinkled within there. And we were lucky enough to be selected uh, as a selection in the Tribeca Film Festival early this year. So that was the one big banner. Um, kind of destination for the project. And more recently, we were just the opening night film for the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival as well. Congratulations to you and, and the team at Thank Maestro. You. That's just, just wonderful. Um, and you're, you're helping companies tell their story, but you know, in a lot of ways, and, and more importantly, you're telling just stories that the world needs to hear. So kudos to you and the team on that. I'm going to segue just a bit and, and tell our listeners a little bit about how we met. And um, you know, full disclosure to everyone, we have partnered on building our first brand campaign, Sarthi's first brand campaign. We call it How Can Sarthi Help You? The campaign has substantially helped us with raising awareness of our value proposition in the data and analytics marketplace and just illustrating the, the types of problems that uh, we solve for, for clients. Uh, I'll leave a link to some of the assets that the Maestro team has created for us in show notes. You can also find those on our website, sarthi.com. Uh, but what I really want to talk about, Chris, is, is the first discussion that we had. And usually when I meet people and I tell them that I work for Sarthi, one of the first questions they ask me is, what does Sarthi mean? But you already knew. You already knew what the origin of the Sarthi name was. And you had knowledge of the Mahabharata, which is where the Sarthi name comes from. So I, I, tell, I told you, and I, I put it in our show notes, you had us at hello. Um, to, to tell our listeners about your experience there and kind of the impact it's, it's had on your work. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's funny that I, I you know I never thought that that would come up in uh, you know initial discovery sales call um, as a you know a, a notch in my belt. But um, you'd probably never suspect this from a video team. But I think one of the best and arguably most interesting parts of being a video producer is being 
exposed to so many different topics uh, and to be able to delve into the storytelling aspects of these topics and companies well, uh, you know, one really has to ingest the topic with at least a deep enough understanding of it. So um, I've had to dive into everything from I don't know, complex banking transaction processes for a financial client to be able to kind of tell that story and, and case studies to things like um, adult incontinence, even in some other medical stuff. And it's funny because my wife is a nurse practitioner and she's always caught off guard when I can hang in very random conversations <laughs> about um, medical pathways and things because we have a big hospital client. Um, so yeah, the, the Mahabharata is definitely one of those things. And I was exposed to it in a project uh, filming a lecture series focusing on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, this was a number of years ago for what I o- always term him as my my longest tenured client, um, who is my dad. <laughs> I've been okay. producing yeah. producing videos for him uh, ever since I was in film school, and he's a a scholar, he's a lecturer, uh, and and a master healer uh, and yoga practitioner. And he he and my mom travel all around the world, lecturing on all sorts sorts of things esoteric and teaching um, a healing modality. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to be exposed and adjacent to, you know, uh, a lot of those kind of teachings from a very young age, but also, um, my dad tends to talk in, um, you know, the way he parents ever since we were younger, we're always in, in parables and, you know, cryptic things and excerpts from <laughs> things like the yeah. Bhagavad Gita and yeah. amongst others. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I think, um, when you mentioned Sarthi, um, you know, I, it was not the first time I had, had heard of it and even, remembering from, I think it was a 12 or 16 hour lecture series that I had um, recorded for him. Um, one of the, the things, the biggest takeaways from both a, a business and personal perspective was the Purusarthas um, out of the uh, Mahabharata. And um, I remember these as kind of four life objectives uh, from the texts that I think um, resonated with me because most of the reading I consume, it tends to be kind of business self-helpy or personal self-helpy in nature. Right. Um, so these Purusarthas were kind of interesting to learn. And um, I'll admit, I had to Google this just before we, we jumped on, because I remembered two out of four. Yeah, <laughs> um, but good. it was dar- Dharma, Artha, Kama, and, and Moksha, which is kind of you know righteousness, prosperity, um, psychological values, and spiritual values self- slash self-actualization. Um, and I think it's just, you know, in terms of crystallizing that, you know, whether it's kind of these kind of nuggets of, knowledge that some, uh, you know, someone like Ben Franken drops in terms of um, ways to live your life and values yeah. or things like this from an ancient Hindi text. Um, I think it's just good to have a a center from, you know, where your values derive from, no matter what line of business you're in, uh, in, in order to just really approach your work with a sense of purpose. And uh, pushing yourself to learn from different people, different cultures, um, and, and the stories that they tell and how you can apply them to your own life. Uh, certainly something that resonated, uh, with, with me, uh, and just as, as we segue to our next topic, just thank you to you and, and your team for what you created for us. Um, it, it, it told our story and tells our story in such a, I think, beautiful way that is resonating for our clients. And we appreciate it a lot. Shifting the gears back, you know, we we are an analytics and data podcast, Chris. So um, we we've covered some really great ground, but I you know be, I would be remiss if I didn't dig in a little bit on on data and analytics and how data is driving the work that you do and the business decisions that you make. How are you applying analytics to your organization and to how you how you run Maestro? 
Um, I'm really glad you asked that uh, for for two parts, mainly because when you first invited me on this show, I'm kind of like, you know, what can I add to this conversation as a, a filmmaker and video producer? And the more we dug into it, I was kind of like, you know what, there is a, actually a good amount of um, data and analytics that happen in video. And, um, the you know, as I kind of prepared for this call, I, I realized there are often metrics and KPIs that are often overlooked when it comes to video production. And it's interesting because it's also the part that we as creatives on our end have the least involvement with, uh, but it does mm. fall into the realm of more kind of marketing and analytics on the back end. But when you look at that trifecta of, you know, having solid creative, good marketing behind the creative, and then, you know, analyzing uh, the data around it, um, that's really what kind of creates a holistic and um, kind of robust video strategy. And I think even some of our largest multinational clients, um, that produce videos sometimes overlook this, not because of negligence, but I, I, I think there's sometimes a lack of understanding of the power of video and the data behind video. So a lot of people talk about the ROI behind video content and the, the return um, of what you spend on video. And I all, while the ROI is one thing, in, in a lot of sales calls, I do ask at the end of this project, what will you have considered, you know, what's the one thing or one or two things that you would consider this project a success? And Sometimes I get deer in headlights response, even from, yeah. you know, marketing teams and stuff. And they're kind of like, I don't know, you know, like, is it, is it the number of likes and views on YouTube or anything like that? And while that's a metric, it tends to be a bit of a vanity metric. It's, um, there are some things you could track on the back end of video that are more tangible and other things kind of more intangible. And I think when you look at the data strategy behind videos, I think for us to show our value, you know, we obviously really want to show a, a, a high um, ROI on video, but the marketing of it, the marketing dollars and what channels to put it on, where to boost it and, you know, paid paid media tends to not be on us. So it's it's something that we, double-edged sword that we, you know, we get the credit for when it does well, but then we get the blame for when it doesn't, when we really don't have a lot of the levers to pull as creatives in terms of the marketing dollars behind it. But Assuming that it is marketed correctly and put out there, or perhaps it's not the the variables to kind of track on the video. And again, we talked about the the views, which I think is a helpful barometer, but can sometimes sure. be a bit of a, a vanity metric. Um, there's also, I think, the reshares um, that uh, I think are kind of more telling because when your customers reshare the link of your videos online, whether it's social media or other community the community driven platforms that really shows that they want other people to know about it. And, um, they you know, they want to make product based decisions through your video and more reshares really just means that your customers are finding value from your video. Um, and the two other, uh, interesting metrics that you could track, um, are frame level metrics, which, you know, to get technical a little bit, uh, videos are really just made up of a series of frames. You know, you hear mm -hmm. 24 frames a second, 60 frames a second. So it's just a bunch of, frames uh, consecutively. Um, and interestingly, studies show that, um, you know, people interact with the, you know, interesting frames more than once, meaning they will go back and if they saw something, even if it was a very fast paced video for a split second or two, they'll go back and look at those. It could be an interesting image, eye catching, or perhaps it's a graphic that has some information on it. Um, but when people go back and rewind one or two or three times or just click on a certain thing and watch for two or three seconds or rewatch a, um, a sliver of a 30 second video or a two minute video, whatever it is, seeing that that data um, is also telling in regards to yeah. what people are finding interesting. Um, and then lastly, just the bounce rates. 
um, at mm. what point in pe- do people drop off or bounce off the video? You know, do people watch an entire video from start to finish? Where do, you know, and and I think that leads to how to optimize a video for maximum efficacy. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, the the creative and the video could be great, but it's just on the wrong channel, um, and people don't, you know, watch more than 10, 15 seconds of it. And so I think it's important to kind of look at all of these metrics together holistically to, you know, decide, you know, the success of a video and whether it's um, in the right channel. Um, but then there's also um, steps you could take to then dictate creative to say, you know, we really have to run out the gate in the first six to 10 seconds and catch someone's attention because of it's going to be on this particular channel or, hey, this this video is going to be in a booth at a, uh, you know, at a conference or a convention and it has to be able to work with no audio um, or just text and stuff mm-hmm. only. So finding the applications of captive audience versus not captive audience and how they interact with these videos um, are stuff that you could track over time to then in- influence what kind of videos you create for your audience, how long they are, you know, what the medium is, is it animation, you know, what are people responding to more? And, you know, I don't have to tell you guys, the more data you have on these things, the, yeah. the better decision making you could have. And so it sounds like Chris that you are, are you, you're tracking those points of inflection across you, you know the different work that you do, or maybe you even have sources in in your industry. Um, and then are you aggregating that? And then when you work with a new client, and you mentioned earlier just frame by frame, and, and you and your team certainly gave us a crash course in, in that as we we went through the editing process. But do you then apply that as you design or storyboard or is that the right way to think about how uh, I'm thinking earlier about your, your, your bounce rate um, metric and how you apply that as you, as you start to build the story? Yep, absolutely. And again, um, you know, depending on the channels and the approach, it's, it's not always um, it's, it it can be the channel, it can be the creative, it can be um, the medium, but having a suite of videos um, I think start to, really inform that decision-making. So, you know, the second go around um, with a particular client, especially if it's for the same audience, we will go back and ask those questions, you know, like, you know, what's the bounce rate? And some clients will already be tracking this with their content management software. Others, mm-hmm. others don't. Um, but there are some, you know, players that just have some rudimentary statistics built in, in regards to these things already on the back end of YouTube and Vimeo and things like Bright Cove is a more sophisticated player that a lot of corporate clients are using. You, you can have um, more detailed metrics and the more information we have, the more we can say, this yeah. is probably the best suite of you know approaches in terms of creative um, length and uh, other levers you could pull in regards to executing another campaign. Well, we're, we're blessed to live in an era where there's no shortage of tools to help find and manage data. So that, that certainly resonates with the work that we're, we're doing at Sarsi. Sure. Last question, Chris, is, uh, you know, we, we are, I think, in the early innings of thinking through how artificial intelligence and machine learning come to life in data and analytics and, and just make it easier and more efficient for organizations to find the insights in their data faster, more efficiently. Has AI made its way to the film and production world? Um, and, and if it has, a, maybe a, 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 an example or two for our listeners of, of, of how you're seeing it come to life. Sure. It's definitely here uh, and it's definitely shaking things up. And, you know, if you're following uh, the current writer's strike that just ended, plus the SAG after uh, actor's strike that is happening, AI um, right. is, you know, one, one of the big talking points. But 
um, I'll just kind of speak in regards to the commercial approach, less of the the Hollywood realm of what we're seeing. Um, I think it's super interesting, exciting, obviously also disrupting our industry, but the, the one, mm-hmm. one big innovation that I've seen this past year really changing the way of targeted video marketing is um, super hyper targeted, super hyper customized AI driven videos. And what I mean by that is there are actually AI video companies now that have developed uh, real time machine learning back end scripts with inputs and outputs. So for instance, say I, I, I arrive to your website and it just either asks me um, to fill out a form or it knows from my cookies that I am, you know, Chris Mendoza from Philadelphia and I'm a filmmaker. By the time I click the next site, you know, this site creates a completely custom video for me that loads instantaneously by the time I get to the next page. And you're literally looking at an actor or actress, um, which is, you know, at that point kind of AI generated, but looks 100% like a real human being. And they'll say, hello, Chris, thanks for visiting our site. You know, I'm sure as a busy filmmaker from Philadelphia, you're interested in X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, this is a real-time video that's just generated from my inputs and kind of my online persona alone. And I think when you couple that, you get more sophisticated with redirective marketing and other things. Like they'll cherry pick other things that, you know, they know I have interests in. Um, you know, they may know that I'm into golf or into this and that. And they'll incorporate all these so that when I view that, you know, 30-second to a minute video, um, I'm not going to click past it because it's totally talking to just me. Um, yes, and I have, right. Just yeah. names and data, you know, databases of all these names and, um, you know, these AI generated avatars look, you know, real enough. And um, it, it's something that is so targeted and so bespoke that um, I think it's going to change the way, you know, we approach stuff. And again, exciting, but scary in regards to yeah. the disruption. It's uh, it's exciting, but overwhelming and, and a little scary. I think you hit it. It'll be fascinating to continue to figure out how to apply it in, in all of our organizations and, and all of the business uh, that, that that we do. Uh, Chris, this has just been a treat having you on the data show. Really just appreciate your time and your your perspective on, on so many things that I, I know are relevant to our listeners. Any last parting shots before, um, before we wrap? Uh, really just wanted to sum it up. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, with Sarthi as kind of, um, kind of a nod to uh, uh, being a guiding light or a guide uh, through the Mahabharata. Um, you, you and I first connected uh, on a call and talked about being that guide in terms of um, approaching the data. And, you know, there's a, there's a story and stuff in there. And I, I really think, you know, we're, we're the same on the creative side. You know, we want to kind of, it's, it's not our story to tell um, with our clients. So we're almost kind of trying to guide them to tell the right story and, and create the right um, approach to their storytelling. And um, I don't think it's really that different from data storytelling. We just happen to be, um, you know, in different fields, but I think the approach and how we help our clients are are one and the same. So um, it's great to kind of be part of this and see where that Venn diagram overlaps and, you know, the synergies and in, in what we do overall. Well, Chris, yeah, thank you to to you and the Maestro team again for all that you've done for, for Sarthi. And uh, thank you to you, for being on the the data show with us today. If you want to learn more about uh, Maestro Filmworks, you can visit their website at maestrofilmworks.com. And if you want to learn more and see uh, Maestro's great work on Sarthi's website, we are at www.sarthi.com. And you can interact with us across all of our various social handles. Thank you listeners for joining us. And we'll see you again on the next episode of the data show. 